You're so good. You're so good, you read my mind. I didn't even have it down. And I long to worship you. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. Okay, go ahead, find a seat. Let's get our Bible study underway. Um, let me mention before we get going on the Bible study, teen camp is coming up in a couple weeks. And so teens, parents, teens, we need the registration forms turned in and uh, take care of that so that we can get our camp organized. This year gives you information. Vin Sawyer is going to be our speaker. And uh, that is happening in just a couple weeks, August 7th through the 11th. So keep that in prayer. And as well, uh, the young people, invite others. You're more than welcome to do that. They can be a part of that camp. Let's go to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16 for our Bible study this evening. We're in a series that's called United We Stand. It's focusing on a variety of different topics that are dealing with just unity within the church body. I have a quiz for you. There are a lot of passages in Scripture that talk about one another. There are some of them that will talk about uh, love one another, forgive one another, forbear one another, pray for one another. Of all those one another passages, this is going to be one that just to throw off the top of your head. Which one do you think is the most often stated in the New Testament? Love one another? That is. That is. That's the one that's stated the most often times. And in fact, it's only stated nine times. It feels like there's a lot more, but nine times it says to love one another. Of all the other love, uh, the one another passages, what do you think is the second most often stated, repeated in the New Testament? Forgive, encourage. I'll give you a clue. It has to do with this message tonight. Okay. Greet one another with a holy kiss is the second most repeated one another command that's given in Scripture. I was thinking about this idea that greeting one another with a holy kiss, it's kind of an awkward thing to talk about. It's kind of not in France. I understand that. But in our, here, I'll give you an illustration. Even when we do weddings here, when we do wedding practices, what happens here is in the wedding practice oftentimes, and, and it very seldom does it change. When I come to the wedding practice and we do that part where we say, okay, uh, let's just practice you can kiss your bride. Most of the couples... They, they don't want to do the practice right here in front of everybody. You know, it's just kind of a, you know, an awkward moment. It's okay, practice, practice. We'll time you. Go ahead, practice. You know, and most, now watch, the next couple are going to prove me wrong just to say it. But, um, but it's one of those moments that it's awkward even in that setting. But again, you go in other countries and this kissing one another is not as awkward. Okay, it, it, it is more of a common idea. And I want to talk about that whole idea from Romans 16. What's interesting is he says it in this passage. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. It's down in Romans 16, down in the middle of the passage in Romans 16, verse 16. But there's a whole lot more in this text about this idea of greeting one another with a holy kiss. In fact, let's, get it, let's set the scene. When uh, Paul is writing to the Romans, and he's going to make this comment, it is the last statement in one paragraph. He has already, in the course of this paragraph, he's been talking about a variety of different challenging applications. In fact, what he's done through that whole passage is he keeps on saying, greet or salute. You'll see in the King James, and you may have other translations, that you'll have greet one another or salute one another. It's the same word. 
It's the same word, the original language. That shows up a lot of times in this text, as we'll see in a few more moments. And in that paragraph, verses 1 down to 16, where he says, greet, 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 salute, 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 and ends up saying, kiss, uh, greet one another with a holy kiss, he's mentioning 33 different people. A lot of them are individuals that are there in the church of Rome. Some are with him and he's saying they also greet you. But he's talking in a very personal matter. Talking and listing out a whole bunch of different, uh, different peoples. And if you read through it slowly it looks, like it's, uh, it looks almost like a genealogy that you kind of just gloss over. But read it through and he makes a lot of comments about those people. Like 28 of them who are in the church of Rome that he's talking to, he gives a little bit of a tidbit about them that mentions, you know, I know this about you, I'm thinking about this about you, this is what you did. And it's not just list their name but he gives some of that information. And so when we come and put it all together, here's some thoughts I want you to walk away with this evening. When he's talking in this passage and we look especially at verse 16 where it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The emphasis in the passage is not upon the kissing. The emphasis of the, com- the command literally is greet one another. And then how do you do that? Well he says with a holy kiss. As that's in verse 16. But the command throughout the passage is greet, 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 salute, salute, salute. See if I can put it this way. There's that foot washing episode in John 13. And Jesus is wrapping up the foot washing episode and he's saying, okay, now if you've seen me do this, then you have to do it as well. Whatever I've done, you do to one another and this is how you show something to one another. The emphasis in that passage, the big idea of that passage is not the idea of washing feet. That was a very cultural practice, but he uses it to give a bigger picture. The bigger picture is, is the idea of serve one another. Do some type of service. Humbly being able to serve like I am serving you. Foot washing happens to be the occasion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He's in that text and he's talking to the ladies in the church and he's saying, okay, you need to wear the veil. Do not take the veil off. Okay? Now some churches today they say, okay, you got to wear a veil, but go back to the culture that time. In that culture in Corinth, in that area, the reason that they wore the veil is the ladies who did not wear the veil out in public were either very young or they were immoral ladies. This was their, this was their way of saying that I am free and loose living and I'm an immoral person or I'm for hire. And so they would, they would identify themselves by not wearing the veil. Well, the Christian ladies were saying, we're, we're just as equal with the man. Um, we're the same. And they are. They are the same in Christ. And so the ladies were saying, we don't need to wear this veil. It's a, it's a, you know, a dominance thing. This is something. And so a woman's lib within the Christian movement said, let's get rid of the veil. And he says, wait a minute. There's the, the bigger idea is not the veil. Uh, the, the ideas in that culture wear something and dress in, in, uh, in a way that does what? Well, the big picture there was protecting your testimony. So that when you're walking out in public, people aren't looking and saying, isn't that person one of those Christians? But they're not wearing a veil. That means they're a very immoral person. And we heard about what they do at that church. That at that church, they do such things as they have love feasts. And then the rumor started to spread. So he's saying in this, in this time of a cultural practice that applies to them, wear the veil. Why? The big picture is protect your testimony. He does the same thing when he writes to Timothy. He says, Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach. And there's a whole group of people within Christianity Christianity today say, see this passage says that he's advocating that we drink strong drink. That alcohol, there's nothing wrong with it. And so he's promoting it. He's encouraging to drink the alcohol. Again, go way back into the context. You didn't drink the water. In fact, with the group before when I was taking them to the airport Friday evening, they were asking, when do we drink the water there in Portugal? You don't. Okay, drink the bottled water. Be very careful. Why? Because different areas in the world, the water isn't yeah, it's not pure. It's not safe. I mean, parts around the United States, same thing, yes? 
Okay, you just be careful. And so in this context, he's talking about saying, okay, take a beverage like grape juice. It's more, it's more healthy for you, and it's, it can be used medicinally. It's, you, know, you know fruit juices are like that even today. And so the big idea is not, okay, let's get after alcohol. The big idea is use what's available, healthy foods, and even for medications. Use medications, believers. Don't, don't avoid that. And so you, you have this passage where he's talking about the kiss. And we get all hung up in this passage, and in our type of circles, and here in America, we get all hung up with, the whole idea is this kissing one another, and then you hear the stories, and it happens. Some of you have traveled to Europe with us. You and what Pastor Kim just said, in France, it's a very normal greeting. In different parts of the world, from Portugal to Brazil, they have different forms of greeting. Some are just one kiss, some are both sides. You go to some regions of the world, and it's on the lips, or it's on the cheeks, or you know, it's you know, different ages and they have a whole cultural scenario for it. There are a few countries, and I visited one, where the men kiss the men when they get together. And right away, it's just like, oh, 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 no, wrong, can't do that. Well, that's not American. Okay, but it doesn't mean it's evil, it's wrong. And in the big picture, what he's talking about is he's saying, okay, we have to understand that in that greeting, in that part of the world, and even especially at that time, it was a very common practice. In In fact, the churches came to be known in the early church that what they would do is they would greet regularly with this kissing, and they would do the cheeks, or they would do the forehead. Or they came to the point that with the, with the elders and the preachers in the church, they would kiss their beard. It's a sign of respect and familiar and, and the idea of affection. And so it's a common practice. But the emphasis of the text is not upon the kissing. The emphasis upon the text is greeting and saluting one another. Same word. Same word in the text. And so the only one way of doing that was the kissing, and depending upon the culture. And so when he's talking about this, he's giving them some real clear commands and saying, now listen, what I'm talking about is not you in America say, okay, we don't kiss regularly. The men don't kiss the man. Okay, and it's very awkward to kiss in the church service. Therefore, let's just not do it whatsoever and let's stay away from. And we get away from the main idea, which is the greeting the greeting and working on greeting and saluting one another, which is the emphasis of the text, because we're, we're you know, scared by the kissing aspect. Well, that's not the point of the text. The point of the text is believers in the church of Rome work on your greeting with one another, which brings us to number two. In this text alone, in Romans 16, uh, chapter 16, 16 times he uses the imperative, greet one another. Greet one another, salute one another, greet one another, greet one another. It is something that's very important in, my, in Paul's mind that we work on developing greeting one another. Let me take you a little bit further in, in our thoughts. Here is the idea of the word that is used. The original language, the word is used 16 times. Here's the idea, to enfold someone in your arms to warmly welcome somebody, to show them you're glad for their company. We, um, we have, right now, we have a situation where the, we have the kids with us, the grandkids with us, just because Tony's in, and Christine are in Portugal. And the one thing I really like now, this week, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to milk it for all it's worth, is when I come in the door, I'm going to hear this, Papa, Papa, and come running, and then give this big hug. And I'm going to milk it for what it's worth, because they don't do it to Deb. Okay, and so I'm just going to say, see, 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 yeah, and, uh, and just, but the, the kids, they, they, they're, they're uninhibited, so they, they are very unabashed to greet, 
and they want to show their enthusiasm. Now, Deb will come back and she'll say, the only reason that they're excited you're home because you said you'd play with them. That's the only thing. You promised them something. And I say, I don't care. They're welcoming me. You know, they're, they're excited that I'm here. That's the point. And so he's saying in this text, that type of enthusiasm is what we should in some way be displaying when we come to the foyer, when we wrap up a service. Before a service is there should be an enthusiastic idea for I want to have fellowship with other people. And it's, so church isn't just the idea of, okay, let's come, let's sit, let's get fed, and let's go home. A major part of church, one of the major areas is fellowship. And he says that should be something that's exciting. That's something that we need during the course of the week. That encouragement, that enthusiasm that we get from one another, that zeal, that, that pick-me-up. And so he says one of the ways to do it is by your greeting and by your communicating with one another. It requires all types of, in, uh, this type of interaction, this warmly receiving of all believers. In the text, he isn't just saying this to a, to a few. The verb that he uses for, for warmly saluting, warmly greeting is you all. It's a very good southern term. Okay, all of you in the church, you all do this. He's not just talking to the men or the ladies. He's not just talking to the, to the, the really outgoing and not the shy. He's not talking just to the poor or just to the rich. Every time he talks about this, he says at all different levels, all different classes within the church, which, by the way, in those 20, those 33 names, he lists all, it's very clear, rich, poor, male, female, noble, servant, there is, this church is a blend. It is a potpourri, it is a smorgasbord of all type of people. He says you're supposed to be greeting one another. This community of Christians getting together, it puts off all the ethnic and all the social and all the economic barriers that are normally there in society. You greet one another and you do it with everyone. And all of you I want you to be doing it is for the command from God Almighty. In fact, it's not just the Church of Rome. I said already that this is the most repeated, second most uh, repeated command about the one another, especially the kissing aspect. Watch what happens. You can go through multiple texts. You got it in Romans 16. You've got it to the Church of Corinth. Not just once, this greeting with the holy kiss, but in, also in 2 Corinthians, he repeats it. You have it in the book of Thessalonians, which is a good group, good church, and you have it in, P in Peter's writings that it's a generic, general, broad epistle, and he's saying, you, you do this as well. So whether you're in Asia Minor, whether you're in Italy, whether you're down by Jerusalem, no matter where you're at, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to work at greeting one another. And greet with a very affectionate form of greeting. Warmly letting people know you are glad to see them. In fact, what he's getting at is very simple for you and me. We're not supposed to isolate ourselves when we come to church. This idea of going, okay, I'm going to go sit in the corner and I'm just going to be by myself. And no, you're, you're violating a command in Scripture for every one of us that we're supposed to work at it. Well, uh, you know, I don't want to greet people. And, and I understand when we have sickness, when we have those types of things. We're not talking that. We're talking generally, what do, what do we do? Because sometimes we just make excuses. Well, I had a bad day at work. Well, that doesn't mean you let that reflect in how you treat other people. In this idea that, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm only going to greet the simple group that I, you know, the, my friends, we sit here, we sit there, we sit there, we sit there, and they're the only ones I'm going to talk to. He said, no, 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 you're supposed to be spreading this out. You're supposed to be expanding, not just the teens with the teens and the young adults with the young adults and the, and the retirees with the retirees. No, we're supposed to be one another, expanding this. But I understand that we, we gravitate naturally to people who have commonality with us and experiences and maybe the same workplace or we have the same age kids and that, that, that we understand. 
But in general, we're to be working hard at extending our contact with one another in the body of Christ. The one thing that I, that I do not understand, and, and this is me and my silliness, but I do not understand people coming into church and isolating themselves or sitting by themselves to test whether people are loving towards them. For a born-again believer to do that, that just, that just boggles my mind. Who elevated that individual to the place of testing the rest of us? Where did God give them the command to judge the rest of us by whether or not we are friendly to them or not? There's just something wrong in my, in my spirit that just says it's wrong for somebody who does not fellowship with anybody so as to find out if other people are fellowshipping the right way. It smacks really strongly in my mind of having a beam in your eye and looking for the sliver in other people's eyes of a hypocritical judgment. And so that is absolutely off the table for believers. We should never be doing that to one another. What we should be doing is warmly welcoming others within the body and letting others know we are glad to have fellowship with them. Let's take it a little bit further. Number five, this is to be done with sincerity. The reason I say sincerity is because that fact that he says here about the holy kiss, where he mentions it with the holy kiss, the word could obviously take it to nothing sensual, nothing inappropriate. Okay, obviously we're elevating a common practice that is to be just a common greeting. It's not a sensual. It is not a, you know, uh, the type of kiss that's going to be shared with people in love, like a husband and wife in a romantic moment. That's not the kiss we're talking about, nor that sensual thing by somebody saying, hey, I want to get close to that person, and this is my way to have inappropriate contact with them because of my desires. That's off the table because it's holy. The holy means to take something that is common and to dedicate it to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what it means is what we're doing is we're taking a common practice and we're saying, I'm going to use this to honor the Lord. And in this culture, this warm greeting, I'm going to use the greeting that is common in Rome. It's going to be a kiss and I'm going to do it in a way that I'm going to with sincerity. And by the way, the word that's used for holy can also have this idea without hypocrisy with all sincerity. So I'm not going just through the motions of a handshake. Okay, I have to do it. But the idea is something that is a sincere handshake. It's good to see you. You know, I'm glad you're here. Not just to say it's the thing to say. But what he's encouraging is a sincere greeting of others. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here. I remember there was a professor when we were in college. His name was Sam Taloyan. And he did something. Every class that just absolutely boggled me. And it was the first hour on, um, on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays that we had this class. So it was like 7 in the morning. And it was a bio, it was a soul winning class in our first semester of freshman year. And he would stand up there and he was a very humble guy. Called, we, his nickname was Humble Sam. And he would, at all times, he'd start the class, I am so glad you are here. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. Yeah, we're all asleep. But he was really genuine. He says, it is so good to see you today. You just saw us two days ago. Yeah, and I'm required to be here or I'm going to fail this class. But he, was, he would stand there and, and he would start going around the room. And he would do, you know, do these things like, Lou, I hope you had a good night's sleep. You know, so you don't have to sleep right now. <laughs> and then he would jump to somebody else. And he'd say, Dave, it is really nice to see you. Nice bow tie, Dave. And he would notice different people. And it, when he started calling out the names, you know what everybody did? Sit up straight, because I might be next. And then he would end his class with the same genuine, sincere type thing. He would say, thank you so much for coming. Not only does this keep me employed... Yeah, but I really enjoyed teaching you. And it, it 
it came across a really, really sincere and genuine. Because if you talk to him out in the hallway, he, his first green see if you say, yo, Professor Tulloyne, I have a question. Well, before that, how are you doing? He was just such a people guy. How are you doing? And thanks for coming. I, it's really good to see you today. Now, what can I help you with? That's the type of sincerity that we're, we're talking about is genuineness that others can walk away and say, you really, they really are glad that I'm here. They mean it. And so it takes some effort to try to have that feeling, to express that feeling, to get it across, and to be genuine. So we don't want to feign interest. We don't want to feign compassion. And what we want to definitely do is we want to make sure that we're not doing the greetings, the warm greetings, the affectionate greetings, in a way that's going to satisfy some quirky desire on our part. There was a group that's down in Brazil several years, ago, several years ago, and some of you teens, our young adults remember when you were teens, you went down there. And they had the greeting. After they'd do their public school presentation, they could come up and greet the Americans. And if you remember this, one of the American guys in our group was a really, really good-looking young man. And the girls in the public school would line up especially to get by him to give him the Brazilian greeting of a couple kisses on a cheek. Okay. They had different motivation for the greeting altogether. And he's saying, okay, in a church service, get rid of that. Get rid of that. What you want to have is genuine appreciation that shows you really want to, you're glad to be with that person. The warm welcome okay, should not just be done to the lost. And I think sometimes we got to be careful here. That sometimes we look and we say, okay, we want to make sure our visitors, we want to make sure the lost, they are really feeling the love of Christ and we want to really focus on them and we'll ignore one another. Now there are moments that you and I do this and it's appropriate that says, wait a minute, there's somebody visiting here and we really need to spend a little bit of time just to welcome them, explain what's going on and we can talk about you know, the Vikings winning the Super Bowl. We can talk about that later. It'll never happen but we'll, we'll just pretend. And so we can talk about those things. This is the more urgent and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the idea that you only extend yourself to those people and you just kind of ignore your brothers and sisters in Christ. And this text says you can't do that. You have to really, really work at greeting one another and if we don't think this through think this through if somebody in the in the uh, fellowship doesn't want to greet okay they're violating what god is intending the church to be i already mentioned the church is to be a place of fellowship think this through with me this idea that he says in this text he says greet one another with a holy kiss and then if you read the previous Six, 15 verses, you have statements all the way through this text where he's making these comments. Like you, you can read it for yourself, but let me just highlight a few. I commend to you Phoebe, our deacon, which is a deaconess of the church which is in Sincrea. Receive her in the Lord as become the saints, that you assist her in her business. Uh, he goes down, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers, who have laid down uh, they're, you know, for my life, they laid down their own necks. He goes a little bit further. Salute well-beloved Epinetus. He says, who is the firstfruits of Achaia? Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen or fellow Jews. My fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles. Greet Amplius, my beloved. Greet, uh, salute Urbane, our helper in Christ. Stachus, my beloved. Salute Apellus, approved in Christ. And he goes through and he mentions like Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that are the household of uh, Narcissus, which are of the Lord. And, he, and he's mentioning all these little tidbits about these people. 
I already mentioned that as you go through the names, it's clear some are slaves, some are nobles. Some are the family of Herod. Some are the household of Caesar. Some are just commoners who are just you know, out on the street people trying to survive or slaves to some people, male, female, different ages, different backgrounds. He's talking about some who, who uh, have really labored much, some who are new in the faith, and he gives a wide variety. Here's my point. Paul is writing to these people and he says, I want you to extend my greetings to them. I want you to let them know I'm concerned about those people. That indicates to me that the body of Christ, the church, the assembly, God has an intention for us. That when we talk about fellowship, what he's talking about is this type of idea that we do have genuine affection one for another. That we really do warmly care for one another that we're concerned about. In fact, Christ said that this is so important. By this shall all the men over all the world know that you are my disciples, if you have an affection for one another. An affection that he says, I want you to display. Now in that case, through the kiss, that warm greeting that included a kiss, he says, I want you to show that. I don't want you to be this, this stoic individual. I want you to show one another that you really have a genuine care and affection for them. That's the, that's the church. That's what we're supposed to be doing for one another. It shows me something else. We should have genuine acceptance of one another. We may have a wide variety of economic classes. There may be differences in ethnic backgrounds. You go through the names, you've got some Jews, you've got some Gentiles, you've got a wide variety, but he is saluting them all. He is accepting them all. He is not saying, well, you know, those who are of that nationality, they're sitting in that corner. That's not what Paul is implying. He's saying that you greet warmly one another, and so you accept people of different, gener- uh, different nationalities, ethnic backgrounds, social classes. What strikes me is not just the idea that the church is to be a place of giving attention, paying attention to one another, getting to know one another, getting to show some affection. But here's one that that, uh, I want to highlight as well is giving assistance. Look through some of the passages where he says, and we've already read it, where he says Aquila and Priscilla would have laid down their lives for me where he talks about Phoebe. She was deaconess meeting our needs. Where he talks about others who are helpers to us like Urbane. So you have this idea that they are giving uh, assistance helping in the work of the Lord. This group of believers are showing affection. They are giving attention to one another. They are showing acceptance of one another. They are, as Paul, as I've alluded to, Paul knows things about them. He's not met some of these who are in the church of Rome. He's never been there yet. But he knows about these people. So he's keeping tabs. He's keeping track of these people. He knows details about their life. Do you do that with other worshipers? We struggle here today just to know each other's names. And Paul is saying, not only do I know the names, but I know something about them. I know a little bit about where they're at, what they're doing. And so you and I need to work on that, showing attentiveness to one another to get to know what's going on. Showing acceptance, showing affection, showing this idea of giving assistance. The body of Christ is to be a place where we can have hope, that we're accepted, we get help, a place where there's harmony. This is what he's talking about, what he's picturing, what he's portraying by his own action. Then you have this. Why is it sometimes people in sports refuse to shake a hand? Okay, you and I, when, when, we, when we see this happening, it doesn't go down well. The Italian wrestler who refused to shake hands was kicked out of the, the Olympic um, Games because he didn't shake hands with his opponent. That's unacceptable. You don't do that. 
And so here you have in our community, in our Christian community, do you ever have people refusing to greet warmly different individuals by whatever method it's done? And Paul's saying it can't be that way. Now let's think about it. Okay, let's be practical. Are there moments where you say, okay, I'm not going to shake hands. I'm not going to warmly welcome somebody getting close to them. I think so. I think there's some rare moments when it happens. When you are sick or they are sick. Okay, isn't that the appropriate moment to say, I, today I'm not doing the warm welcoming. I'm not going to show, you know, oh yeah, I want to share with you. Here, you can have my flu. Okay, that would be selfish. That would be rude. So we'd say, okay, that, there's a moment. That's a rare moment, but there's a moment that that's a good thing. We would say, okay, you want limited contact with the opposite uh, sex because maybe you have battles and struggles and getting even within contact, that, that creates a problem. Okay, we understand that that could be, there would be moments that, okay, that, that, you know, you don't want girl cooties so guys don't want to shake hands. Okay. You have that type of, that can happen at some moments. Or this, somebody makes you very uncomfortable because of what they've done in the past. Has that ever occurred in Christian churches? When we would go on vacation, we'd visit a church in Minnesota years ago, and my girls, after the first couple of visits, they say, Dad, do we have to go up and shake this man's hand after the service? And they were teenagers, and I, had, and I said, well, what's going on? They said, he gave us the creeps because he was too physically affectionate. Okay, so in that case, I'm telling my girls, you know, yeah, stay by me. And, you know, he, no hugs, this is appropriate, okay? If he's making you uncomfortable because um, you just take it from there. If he's making you uncomfortable, you just stay by me and we'll handle it in a tactful way. So do we understand those could be legitimate spots that you're uncomfortable? But if you're uncomfortable because you have prejudged and said, well, I don't like the way they dress. They don't dress quite as snazzy as I dress. And I never say that, okay? You can tell I, I would never be able to say that, okay? That, that's not appropriate. Or if you are saying, okay, we're overreacting and I made sure my girls weren't overreacting, then it's okay, okay, now we got that covered. So there are moments that you would look and say, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going to be careful with this warm, affectionate greeting that God calls me to. And there may be moments that it's wise, but if you don't like the person, you just don't want to talk to them. That's, that's wrong. I just want to avoid them. I just want, you know, they did something that upset me or they did something that I don't like, therefore I'm going to avoid them. Come on, folk. If that's an issue, you've got Matthew 5 to deal with. You've got to go and rectify the situation. Or if you sit there and say, okay, I want to send them a message of disdain and disapproval. Whatever it be, I'm, going to, I'm just going to refuse to shake their hands. I've only had this happen to me once, just once in this church. And it was in the last year that somebody, when they, they were here, and uh, in fact, they were here for a funeral service of all times, for a funeral service, and they had, they, were come, they had been here, but then they had left, and they came back for the funeral service. And I'm standing right about there, and I stuck out my hand and said, it's really good to see you, folk. I hope you're doing well. Do you ever have those moments where you have your hand out, and the person just looks at you? And they went like this. And I said, uh, you know, are you sick or something? I, you know, nope. And it was a clear, clear message that was given to me, intended to me, and I, and I, I, did, I didn't react real well. I just said, you are refusing to shake my hand. For what purpose? 
And they said, well, we just... And they wouldn't answer. I got to tell you, I was so mad. I was so mad. It took two of the assistants to calm me down. Okay? Because it, it was a really clear-cut case where showing disdain. And I've, I'm just not used to that. Are you? Okay? Um, you know, so, yes, I wanted to kick them. But they were bigger than me. Okay, so, but it was just, how do you do that? You know, it, you want to show them that they're hurting the body of Christ. I think there is, this is the moment that, okay, now we have to be careful. Because look what he says in the next verse. In the next verse, he makes this comment where he says, I beseech you, brethren. Right after he says, greet, 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 greet. Look at verse 17. I beseech you. I beg you, brethren, mark them which are causing divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. Is there a moment that we do not show warm welcome of friendship? Yes. When we are in that phase, that mode of doing what he says, separating and doing like church discipline, we've got to be careful of extending and making it sound like everything is okay. Then there are moments that what we do is we say to that individual, okay, what you're doing, your lifestyle, it's wrong, it's, uh, it's offensive, you're hurting the body of Christ, and therefore we can't approve. Okay, there's that rare, rare moment, again, where it is appropriate. But that's not the norm. That's not the norm for what we do here. That's not the norm on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night. That's not what we're supposed to be focusing on is the exceptions, but we're supposed to focus on the rule. The rule is that we're supposed to work on extending ourselves more than others because bottom line, is it's a way of ministering. Your greeting really speaks volumes. In, in Thessalonians, he writes, encourage one another, build them up. He says the same things, encourage one another. Do you realize that you're greeting, you're letting others know that you are glad that they are here, that that is important for those other people? You are ministering to those other people, those who are baby Christians, to hear you veteran Christians come up and say, you are an encouragement to my life. What a blessing that is. To those of you who are going through a difficulty at work, at home, and you come and others say, I'm so glad you're here, and they, they accept you for what you are, and they give you some of that attention. They, they offer the assistance. What a blessing it is in the body of Christ to all of a sudden realize that these people accept me for who I am, that these people around here, they are willing to give me some encouragement, that they're willing to listen when I'm struggling, that those people, they actually will spend some time talking with me, and not just pretending how important this is. To many people, to many people, we hear it on a regular basis that somebody says, well, I don't know if anybody really cares. You can make the difference by extending yourself, spending time, talking to some individuals, not just your clique, but beyond that to let others know you do care. There is a genuine concern for them. And so he's saying, work at this area. This is to be a regular part of our conduct. Not just a rarity, but this is to what we're supposed to do on a regular weekly basis, is greet one another, salute one another. The idea here is that there are times where there's limitations. I already alluded to that when somebody is hurting the body of Christ that we need to exercise some form of pullback because we have to express that through Matthew 18, through 1 Corinthians 5, through this text. We understand that. But here's the key. 
He gives a command, and the command is always the same in the passage. It is the idea, begin to do this now. Begin to do this now. Begin to do this now. This is something you need to start working on. Is the idea in every one of those commands in all those 16 verses. That every time he mentions it, it's the same thing. Get on the ball. Get doing this. Do this regularly. Now, taking it together, here's what I look at, Romans 16. This text is loaded. Lots of names, but boy is it teaching us some really important stuff. Really big stuff. Big stuff that if I wanted to preach a message, you could do this alone. Getting to know other people. That's part of this text. Getting to know the lives of other people that you worship with. That's here. That's in this text. It could be a whole message on using people's names using their names. Paul just doesn't say, hey, tell, tell everyone they're high. He lists out, he recommends, he talks about, he knows the people and he's using their names. There is, some, there is a certain sound that all of us love to hear. It's our own name because it shows a personal attention, a personal attentiveness to us. And so that's an important aspect. There's a whole message that could be talked about physical interaction in the sense of touch. How important. And you know, you know, in our culture today, we are so afraid to extend touches because of all the weird stuff that's happening. And we just, we almost tend to avoid that. And we don't want to give a hug. We don't want to do any kind of physical touch. Otherwise, it's going to be, it's going to be interpreted as something evil and bad. And, and we've, we've almost run away from the touch. And how important is that in people's in people's feelings, in people's psyche, that physical touch. Now, some of you grew up where touch isn't important, but generally it's a beneficial tool. It's very helpful. Let me give you another thought here. The idea of personally interacting, that's the key of this text. Personally interacting with people. Working on it. Now, let me give you some practical suggestions with that. And the reason I want to do the suggestions is, you know, for all the media that we have, between the phones and the Facebook and for all of that that's modern media, are we doing better in personal communication? I mean, what I mean by that, the personal face-to-face contact, all of a sudden we are substituting you know, a text for a personal conversation that's direct face-to-face. I understand texting is important. I do it, you do it. Okay? I understand the emails, the importance of it. It can be done. But don't people who are hurting want a face? They need that contact at times. That's a little bit more than just a generic communication. In fact, you know, some of this gets so impersonal. And, and again, I'm going to sound really, really fogey-like, and I don't mean that. I understand the value. And I think it's a really good tool. Facebook, I think, is a really good tool. But can it become a very selfish thing where it's all about here's what I'm doing, Here's my ideas. And instead of listening, we're just telling the world what's my status. And so I think there's, some, there's inherent dangers with some of this that you and I need to work at going beyond the norm of our culture and saying, let's work at, really work at personal contact with one another and building it up and realizing that even with technology, we use it right. We still need to work on that personal interaction. Now, what do we do with that? Just some quick thoughts, practical suggestions. Number one, you take the first step. Don't wait for other people to come to you. Don't wait until other people be, are friendly to you. You go and you make the first step. Number two, take time to greet visitors bef- or those you don't know before you talk with those you do know. In, um, in a lot of these marketing books about how to build a church, and they give, there's a, a frequent rule that's called the two-minute rule. 
And we've never talked about, we've never, you know, pushed it on the congregation, but there's a lot of these churches that talk about it. And what they do is they ask their church people in their congregations, don't talk to somebody that you know real well or, you know, your, your normal haunt for the first two minutes after a service, you seek out people you don't know. And you find not just your friends or your relatives, but you look for somebody you don't know in that first two minutes after a service. So you're forcing yourself into a thing of getting to know other people and spending time instead of the normal small group, click group that you have. And so there's that thought that you and I need to, the whole idea behind it is we need to set some type of, of goal and assignment or we'll not do it. And so there, there's one for you that maybe you want to consider that. Look out for somebody you've not met before. You take time need to show, to take the time needed to show genuine concern. And not just, you know, buzz in and buzz out, but actually stand and talk and get to know that person. Spend a couple minutes getting to talk with them. Taking time to show genuine concern. And so that involves stopping and talking, listening to others, getting to know something about them, not you telling them about yourself, but focusing on them. Let me give you another practical suggestion. Try to remember and use their name in your conversation. Paul does it. I think it's a good principle. Use names. Use names. And if, it, if you're like me, I walk away and I usually have a 3 by 5 card in my pocket. I usually grab it out of the pews. You think that we have a lot of visitors grabbing those cards. It's usually me. I grab the card and I write down the names as I'm turning away. So I remember the name of the person or try to the next time. But use their names. Remember those, those individuals. Call them by name. Be gracious and avoid making critical judgments that we are so given to that when we meet somebody we are judging their hair, we're judging their makeup, we're judging their jewelry, we're judging their choice of clothing. Don't. Just avoid that and get to know the person. Listen to the person. Not just evaluate them. Listen so that you really do hear their name. So you really do hear something about them. Number six, employ compliments in your greeting. I got to be very careful. I'm not, I'm not good at this. My, my way of doing things has offended people is usually in a greeting, I want to tell a joke. I want to make something sound humorous. Not everybody is up to that. And so, so we need to be careful that, that when we're greeting people that we don't try to be the hearty har-har and then make a statement that they don't appreciate. Instead, the thing that they will appreciate is compliments. Just something positive that you've noticed, that you've seen. You know, find it, use it. Number seven, remember people feel most comfortable talking about themselves more than anything else. So taking advantage, ask questions about their week. Ask questions about their job. Ask questions about their schooling. Ask questions about how they're doing with grades. Find out what's going on in their life. And avoid the tendency of you telling them about yourself, but listen to them. Talk with them. Number Eight, not, number eight, try to remember some of the things you learned so that the next time you converse with them, you can say, hey, by the way, how is your mother doing? Oh, by the way, how, is the, how did this turn out at your job? Because you're communicating, again, attention and that you were concerned enough to remember those things. Number nine, employ proper forms of physical contact. That is what he's encouraging here. Some type of physical contact that is proper for most of us, it's the handshake. For some here, it is a hug. For some, the proper, the proper connection is a fist bump, okay? What is, but what, something that is showing actual, that you're saying to them, hey, I really do appreciate you. You are a friend, and I do value. There's nothing wrong with displaying affection, especially in the body of Christ. 
that is controlled, that is done with holiness. The mode of contact may vary, okay, but use some and employ it as a method of communicating with people. And then number 10, if you're unable to greet somebody, if there is some reason why you can't warmly walk up to that person and say, hey, it's been good to worship with you today, because you've got some angst against them, because you're upset with something that was done or said, well, then you've got a bigger problem. You've got a problem with somebody in the body of Christ, and you've got to, by obligation to Christ, deal with that to restore the harmony and the peace that's supposed to be within your heart and with other individuals. The bottom line is, you and I are supposed to greet the brethren with a holy kiss. That means we are supposed to go out of our way, and we're supposed to kiss the bride of Christ. That's one another. And I'm not talking the physical kiss, but showing warmly greeting and practicing so that we don't have somebody coming and saying, the church is cold. No. We want them to say there is genuine acceptance in this body of Christ. We don't want people to say it's cliquish there. No. We want people to that come, that they say, hey, listen, there they really do care about me and they want to know about me because that's what's supposed to be happening. We don't want people to say, well, there's only a small group and this small group, they don't reach out to others. Okay, we don't want that to be said. Why? Because that's not honoring to Christ. What honors Christ is a body that loves and shows and reaches out one to another. Father, I pray you help us to do that. Help us to work at it. Help us to extend ourselves in big ways, in small ways, even this evening, this Wednesday when we get together, next week when we get together. We know and understand, I look around, this isn't, the, this isn't all of the body that meets on a Sunday morning, but allow this group to be the group that makes a difference to make an impact to the other teens, the other kids, the other young couples, the other senior couples. Use them to show that love of Christ in a brand new way, in a far-reaching way, we pray in His name. Amen.